Today we are concluding our series, Here We Go Again. All month we've been talking about how relevant that statement actually is. Throughout 2020 and 2021, maybe you have found yourself using that statement many times. You turn on the news and you're thinking to yourself, here we go again. The text message comes through. You have that conversation. Your boss calls you into the office at work. There are so many scenarios where maybe you're thinking, here we go again. I don't know how I'm going to carry the weight of another year on my shoulders. As we have begun 2021, many of the things that we hoped would disappear in 2020 have only intensified. They've only followed us into this next calendar year. But we've been talking out of Psalm 143, verse 8, and it says this. It says, Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. That's an incredibly encouraging verse. I think it's a great prayer that we could pray every day. Just to say, God, I just need your help. God, I'm just submitting to you. I cannot do this on my own. I can't carry the weight of all of this all over again because here we go again. And so we've been unpacking that statement every week. We've talked through each action word. So we talked about here, understanding that our beginning or our starting point is a great indication of where we're going. And if we can start well, then it's easier to finish well. And so we've just been designing our year, getting our foundation right as we head into 2021. In week two, we talked about the word we, and we talked about the context of the local church. And I really encourage you, if you missed it, to go back and check out that message because our culture today is minimizing the importance of the church when I say we need to maximize its value. The church is essential. We matter. God gave his life and built his mission upon the church. And then in week three, last week, we talked about the word go. Go is an action. We were putting some action in place for our life, learning to arrange our priorities and our life for 2021. And today, we're going to focus on the word again. I actually titled your message today, Again and Again. I want to talk about the importance of repetition, of doing things more than once, of going back to the things that worked to begin with. To go back and to try again, to think again, to love again, to laugh again, to pursue again, to have purpose again. Some things are better when we do it again and again. My mom used to teach me when I was a kid, she would say, Brandon, she would say, practice makes perfect. Well, I don't know if practice actually makes perfect, but I do know that practice, the repetition, doing it again and again, it does make us better. When I was a kid, I said it a few weeks ago, had a dream to play drums, and I always wanted to be a drummer, and I had this grand idea of sitting behind a set of drums and hitting every drum on beat. All of the toms that you could see up there, all of the cymbals, the bass drum, the floor toms, I mean, I had it in my head of what it would be to be like a rock star drummer. And then when I began the process of learning, I discovered that it was far different than what I anticipated. We began with just a snare drum. A set of sticks and a book that said left, right, left, right. And that's all I did. I sat there in repetition again and again going left, right, left, right. And it was so boring. It actually drained the excitement of the drums. However, I pushed through and I did learn to play drums. And I learned through the process the value of doing it again and again. The experts actually teach us about repetition. They say that repetition actually helps transition a skill from the conscious to the subconscious. 
In other words, as I was learning to play drums, I had to think really hard, very consciously, about every movement from left to right, left to right, and staying on beat. And as the beat progressed or became more complicated or involved, I had to think extra hard about staying right on that beat until I repeated it again and again, over and over, until it moved from my conscious mind to my subconscious. In other words, I don't have to think about it now. When I sit down behind a drum, just like the beat just takes over. The beat just carries me through, and I don't have to focus so much because I have repeated something again and again. Repetition trains your brain for good habits or for bad. It's a training process. You're training your brain. You're training your body. You're training your actions when you do something again and again. I love this quote by Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee said this, I fear not the man who practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. It's the principle of again and again, the principle of repetition. And today, I want to say before we dive into the rest of this year, there are some principles and things that God would tell us through His Word that are valuable to go back and to repeat again and again. So I want to share with you today just three simple things that I think are great to revisit again and again as we follow Christ, as we live our life on purpose, as we navigate these difficult times that we're living in, that we would do things that are productive and beneficial to our lives again and again. I want to pray for you before we go into God's Word today. So, Father, I love you. Thank you for this day and for every person watching. I pray, God, that you would just speak to us through your Word today. You would encourage us and you would help us to, God, to, to leave this moment with you better than we came. God, through the power of your Word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a principle that I have been discovering over this month in preparation for today and some really pieces of the puzzle in Scripture that I've never put together before. I was reading in Mark chapter 6 the story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's one of the most famous uh, stories in all of Scripture. There, are, as The Bible says 5,000 men plus their wives and kids. They've all gathered around to hear Jesus speak. You can find this in Mark chapter 6. And Jesus has been talking to these people and they're all amazed at what Jesus has been saying, but they have been there a long time and they are all hungry. They have a long journey back walking in order to get back to where there is food. And Jesus feels bad for the people. Not only did Jesus feed people spiritually, but Jesus fed people physically. He met their spiritual needs and their physical needs. And so Jesus told the disciples, he's like, hey guys, we need to feed these people. And the disciples, I mean, they're just, they're just blown away. They said, hey, Jesus, we don't, we don't have enough. We just got some bread and we just got some fish. We don't have enough to feed 5,000 people. So Jesus says, well, you leave that to me. You take the ingredients. You take that little happy meal and you begin to distribute it amongst the people. Get some baskets and go start passing this stuff out. And the story says that they literally fed 5,000 men plus all of their wives and the kids. They fed all of those people with just some fish and some bread. I mean, a miracle had taken place that day. And we read that story and there's so many principles and so much to unpack out of the principle of what happened that day. Yet, just in two chapters over in Mark chapter 8, we see the very same thing happens. Jesus is out there with the disciples. They had been talking to a crowd of 4,000 people on this day. And then Jesus goes, we need to feed these people. We need to give them something to eat. 
And all the disciples, once again, they say, Jesus, where, I mean, we would have to work for months. They said, Jesus, we'd have to work for months in order to have enough money to buy these people enough food. And I love that they just walked away from a miracle with Jesus where he fed well over 5,000 people with just a few fish and bread, and yet a miracle took place, and they're standing here today in the same scenario, and they're questioning, hey, Jesus, how are we going to do this? If it were me, and I had been in that miracle with Jesus, I would never pack a lunch again. I would just be like, man, Jesus has got this. Jesus will take care of it when we get hungry. Jesus is going to feed us. Hey, get out some bubble gum, guys. We're going to have a steak dinner because Jesus is going to make a miracle out of this. But in that moment, the disciples couldn't even pull it together to understand what had just happened. I think Jesus repeated it again in front of them in order to help them see it again and again, in order to learn from it. Just a few uh, short uh, moments later, the disciples are with Jesus in the boat and they're traveling. After two incredible miracles that they have seen, Jesus feed over 5,000, and then Jesus feed over 4,000. And then they're finding out as they look in their bags, they're hungry. They go, oh no, we forgot to bring food. We don't have enough food to eat. So check this out, what happens in Mark chapter 8, verses 14, 16 through 21. It says the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. At this, they began to argue with each other because, uh, because they hadn't brought enough bread or they hadn't brought any bread. Verse 17, Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, but can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Verse 19, when I fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed 4,000 with seven loaves, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. And then Jesus says in verse 21, he asked a very important question that I think we should ask today. Don't you understand yet? What an incredibly funny sight to me of the disciples sitting in this boat having just encountered two absolutely irrefutable miracles that happened. I mean, there was no way that somebody could have refuted the miracles that Jesus had just performed. He fed well over 5,000, and Jesus said, hey, there was food left over. Remember, there was 12 baskets left over after we fed those people. And then we fed 4,000. Nobody could have explained it away that Jesus had performed a miracle, and we still had food left over. Jesus is always more than enough. His supply is always more than you and I could ever imagine or ever even need. Jesus will always take care of us. And then there are the disciples after these miracles have taken place. They are hungry personally and finding out they have no food to eat. They didn't bring any bread. And Jesus is saying, guys... I mean, don't you get it yet? He takes them back through the lesson again and again. Do you remember the first time we did it? Do you remember the second time that we repeated it? Hey, guys, listen, we're sitting in the boat today, and I've got everything that you need. There are three things that Jesus indicated to these people that were a problem. He said, he said what, what's happened to your heart? What happened to your eyes that you can't see? What happened to your ears that you can't hear? 
See, many of us, for many reasons, we have a problem doing things again and again. We try to avoid doing something again and again. I think there's three reasons. Maybe write these down. These are extra. The first thing that I think we have a difficulty in is familiarity. We get familiar with something, so we don't think we have to do it again. As a drummer, I talked to you about playing drums. If I felt like I was just uh, as good as I was going to get, I'm familiar, I can wing it, I can sit down, I can do it, I, I know how to subconsciously sit and go with the beat and feel it and play. But that's not the way it works. In order to get better, in order to craft your skill, in order to sharpen your ability, you have to do it again and again. You have to practice. You have to repeat it. Many of us get so familiar with so many areas of our life that we fail to do it again and again. Your spouse, you're having trouble in your marriage. and You don't feel that connection anymore. You don't feel that love anymore. The butterflies have left. They have long flown away. They are all moths by now. And you can't figure out why it is that you can't connect. Well, maybe it's because you've gotten too familiar. Remember when you were dating and you tried to do things to impress them? Guys, you actually took a shower. Ladies, you calmed your hair. You know, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You got, you got all fixed up. You were trying to impress the other person. Now we are so familiar that we just, you know, we just skate by. We don't try anymore. We do that in many areas of our life. You worked real hard at the job, and then you got familiar with it, and you got lazy. You worked real hard when you were a new parent that you were going to really be the, the, the best parent in the world. You were going to earn that best mom or best dad mug. And then you got familiar with it. You fell in love with Jesus, and you fell in love with your church, and you fell in love with the spiritual things of God, and you were amazed at how God had changed your life. But then suddenly, it became familiar, so you didn't do it again and again. You stopped. You gave up. I think fear is another one, if you want to write that down. Fear of taking a chance. Fear of trying again. Fear of what other people are going to say, what other people are going to think. You're afraid to fail again. You're afraid of what the risk is. You're afraid of what God's going to ask of you. There's always this fear that prevents us from doing it again. There are many people living in fear today. We're gripped by fear in the world that we're living in. We are in fear over what's happening in politics. We are fear in what's happening in our physical beings with the pandemic. We are in fear of what's going to happen with your job. You're in fear of what's happening in the schools. We're just gripped in fear, and fear can paralyze you. Fear can rob you. Fear will steal from you all of the amazing things God wants from you, all because you have let fear cripple you and it has become greater than your faith. Fear will prevent you from doing it again and again. And the third thing that I think keeps us from repeating it again and again, from repeating the miracles, from embracing it again, from trying again, is fault. We take on fault. We, we like to pass blame and carry fault. We, we pass it on other people. We blame people from other stuff. We say, well, if that's how they are, then I'm not going to do this. If the, if the church is that way and, and we had a bad experience over here, then all churches are that way and I'm not going to do that. You blame God. You, it's His fault for everything. So God, I'm not going to serve you. Or the reversal of that is many of you are carrying fault for things that you never did. You're carrying fault for someone else's failures. You didn't do it. You didn't cause it. They said it. They cast that on you. They placed that on your life. It was not your fault. I'm actually uh, wearing uh, this right here. I've got a Band-Aid on my thumb because I almost cut my thumb off this week. My son had brought home this some sort of large nut from school that he'd found on the playground. and He said, Dad, he said, Allie, 
It's his aunt. He said, Allie taught me that some nuts you can crack open and you can eat what's on the inside. I said, well, buddy, I don't think we can eat what's on the inside of that nut. And he says, well, Dad, can we please crack it open and take a look? And I said, okay, pal, we'll, we'll crack it open. And there was just a little bit of a, like a little cut at the top of that, at the top of the nut. And so I grabbed a butter knife and I said, well, I'll, I'll pry this thing open. And I'm in our kitchen and I'm prying it open and it's not budging. So I said, hey, pal, there's a little screwdriver, a little flathead screwdriver in the drawer. Get that flathead, bring it to me, and I'm going to get this open. And I'm prying down on the top of that nut. And as I am, I'm thinking to myself, hey, Brandon, this is a bad idea. You're going to cut yourself. You're going to slip, and you're going to cut your thumb off. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I slipped, and that, that flathead screwdriver went all the way through to the inside of my thumb and split it wide open. I am bleeding, and I'm trying to remain calm because my four-year-old is sitting there looking at me, and, and, uh, and I'm cleaning up, and I'm wrapping it up in this Band-Aid, and, and my son, he's, he's just looking real sad. And, and, and it's a proud moment for me uh, because as I'm bleeding and, and trying to get this taken care of, he says, Dad, he said, I'm going to pray for you. And I was like, wow, how did, he, he's been paying attention. He's learned. It's our first response, not our last resort. And he goes to the corner and he says, dear Jesus, my dad cut his thumb open and, and I pray that he's okay. And then he walks over and he's still sad. And he says, dad, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, it's all my fault. He said, had I not asked you to, to cut that nut open, he said, you never would have hurt your thumb. He's four. I said, buddy, it's not your fault. I said, you didn't cause it. I said, I knew in the process of it that I shouldn't be doing it, and that I was going to hurt myself. You didn't cause it. It was all my fault. He said, well, Dad, my heart, my heart cracked when you hurt your finger. And there he was carrying fault for something that was all on me. Many of us are living lives like four-year-olds, carrying the fault of someone else's failures, and it will prevent you from going back to the miracle and doing it again and again. It will cause you from going back to the things that worked before and trying again. Don't become so familiar with the things of God or the relationships that you have that you take it for granted that you don't go back and do the things that made you successful in the first place. Don't get so fearful that you won't try again. And don't carry the fault that will paralyze you from, from living in freedom that Jesus wants you to live. So today, what are the things that we need to be doing again and again to be successful in our relationships, to be successful in our relationship with God, to be successful in every area of your life? Well, I have three of them that I want to bring to you today. And number one, write this down. There's three things we need to do again and again. Number one, you need to look again. You need to look again. Let me explain. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17 with me. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, let him see. Then the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, in the context of what we just read, Elisha, they're in battle. Elisha is a prophet of God. He's a representation of God, and they're in battle. 
And so he sends out one of his servants to take a look at what's on the outside. The servant returns. He's insanely afraid. He is so fearful at what he has witnessed. He says, they've got people everywhere. They've got horses. They've got an army. In other words, we're doomed. We're never going to make it. We won't get through this. There's no reason to even try. And then notice what Elisha said to him. He says, don't be afraid. There's more on our side than there is on theirs. And I know the servant was going, where are you getting this news from? I mean, I just looked outside. They are far more powerful than we are. They have far more resource than what we have. We will never be able to go up against that army. And then I notice what Elisha did. What did he do? He prayed. And he prayed for God to do what? He prayed for God to open his eyes and let him see. God opened his eyes. He just went out and looked. He had just went out and saw the army. He came back and reported what he had saw. But yet Elisha says, I pray God that you open his eyes and let him see. Does that even make sense? And then the Lord opened his eyes. What's happening here? And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. See, we often look through the lens of our lack instead of looking through the lens of the Lord. See, you can see physically, but what God wants you to do is see spiritually. Some of us need to go back and we need to look again spiritually. Stop looking at everything in a natural way. We live in a natural world, but we don't belong here. We're of the supernatural. See, God does things differently than what we do it. God sees things that you and I cannot see in our natural self. Some of you may be watching today or listening by podcast, and you're not a believer, and you're going, what are you guys talking about? You can't see it because you haven't experienced it. But if you've experienced the change in Jesus, the life change that he brings, you see things differently. In order to be successful in every area of your life, you need to go back and you need to look again. You need to see things in a spiritual way. Don't look through the lens of your lack. Look through the lens of God. You need to see it differently. See it through the Spirit. You can go out and you can be overwhelmed by what you see right now. And then you can go back and get in your prayer closet and you can spend some time with Jesus and you can ask Him to open your eyes and then you can come out seeing things in a way that nobody else can see. You can see it differently because you're looking through a different lens, the spiritual lens of God. Just this past week, we had a full moon one night and my son loves to look at the moon. He'll say, Dad, look at the moon. It's so, so big. It's so bright. And I happen to think I have a pair of binoculars. And so I went downstairs, and I got a pair of binoculars, and I put those in his hands, and I had him look up at the moon. And when he saw how close the moon looked, just through binoculars, he said, wow, that is amazing. You see, what happened is we went from the natural eye and the inabilities that it has and everything that it could do, and then we enhanced it, we magnified it by looking right through a different lens. And when I look through this lens, it changes everything. Suddenly, something that was far away got much closer. Suddenly, something with just a little bit of detail at the naked eye suddenly became far more detailed because I looked at it through a different lens. This is no different than our relationship with God. When you are walking through life and you are overwhelmed and all you see is danger and all you see is defeat, you need to change your lens. Your spiritual eyes can only see what you allow God to show you. Your spiritual eyes can only see what it is you allow God to show you. Go back again, get before God, and begin to look 
again. Listen, when I look and I see spiritually, I saw my son while we were praying for a miracle. We needed a miracle of God in order to see our son to be born, for God to give us a baby. We saw him before he was born. I saw this church before this church was born. When many people said that will never work, planning that church will never be successful. Why do you want to do that? Just go get a job. Just stay at your, lo- at your local church. You've got a great position. You've got a great way. Just do that. No. I saw this church. I saw the 1,215 salvations that have happened right here at Cultivate Church. I could see it when no one else could. I can see empty seats being filled. I can see a multicultural representation in our church. I can see lives being restored, marriages being restored. I see addictions being broken. I see people serving other people. I see people giving generously. I see people at Cultivate Church living life on purpose. Ask God To see the natural in a supernatural way, it would change your life. And then when you see your eyes getting rusty and it looks like it's bleak and it looks like things are never going to work, you need to go back and ask God to help you see your natural ways in a supernatural lens because it's all in the what you are seeing. God will help you to see it supernaturally and not naturally. You need to look again and again. Number two, What did God address? What did Jesus address with the guys in the boat? Guys, you got eyes, but you can't see. You need to look again. He said, you got ears, but you can't hear. Number two, you need to listen again. The Bible says anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, receive even more. To those who listen uh, to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be getting. Listen, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Listen, it's all the senses that God gave us. Your eyes are important to see spiritually, and your ears are important to hear spiritually. It's like the show The Voice. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of The Voice. I'm an American Idol guy, the the OG. I still like American Idol. But The Voice took over, and it took the world by storm. And the premise is obviously the, the judges, if you've seen it, they turn their chairs backwards. They don't see the person that's singing behind them. And the only judgment they bring on the person is by what they hear. See, our senses can overwhelm us oftentimes by what we see. Maybe the voice is not great, but the look is, is there. Maybe they see it, they can, they can doctor them up and make them look a certain way and put a little auto-tune on the voice and they can make something out of them. But not in this competition. This competition is all about hearing and not about seeing. See, we can become so overwhelmed with everything that we see, all the senses that are going around, that sometimes we just need to pause and we just need to listen to hear God's voice. And when your eyes are failing you, your ears hearing the voice of God will help direct your sight. Listen, we got so many different things that are distracting us. Sometimes at my house, we've got a TV going. We've got the music going on in the background. We're having a conversation and we're reading our phone all at the same time. We think that we're really focused on something, but we're not. We're so overwhelmed that we don't really hear or concentrate focus on anything. Multitasking is a lie. 
Multitasking, I can remember in the early 2000s, became a really popular concept. All the leadership gurus were teaching this. I remember someone actually saying, carry a book with you in the car, and at every red light, you take a few minutes to read in that book, and you can read through a book. And I heard all of these things. But the truth is they actually teach us that you cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. They said actually what's happening is your brain is just quickly shifting tasks and focus. So if you have two things going on at once, your brain is not fully committed to either. It can only switch focus really rapidly. And they say the results of that is that we do tasks slower and we make more mistakes. See, we have bought into this lie that everything in life is this over-tangible, over-saturated feeling of everything going on around us. But in this scripture, the Bible says, hey, you need to slow down a little bit. You need to lean in and listen just a little bit more. You need to make sure that you listen close so that the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. In order to tune in, there's something that you need to tune out. Listen, we often think that the voice of God is some big clap of thunder. We think that it is this big uh, audible shake. We just think it's going to be some massive event when sometimes the Bible said that the voice of God is just a still, small voice. The Bible says actually to, to be still. And know that He's God. Just be still. Get quiet to be able to listen to God. That's what these 21 days of prayer and fasting has been about. It's been about tuning something out so that we could tune in to the Lord. And we do that through prayer. We do it through fasting. We do it through worship. And we do it through the Word. We've done that all month long. And so I say do it again. I say do it again and again. I say do it all year long. Don't let it just be 21 days. Listen, in order to, to understand the lessons that Jesus is trying to teach us again and again, in order to not experience miracle after miracle and yet still not be able to, to utilize it when we need it, not to live in it, you, you got to do some things again and again. You need to look again. You need to listen again. Tune some things out. And then number three, very simply, you need to love again. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Today, very simply, I know that life can be difficult and disappointments and failures and fears, fractures, faults, all of these different things that we carry, they can harden our heart. And when our heart gets hardened, we begin to block people out. We begin to block possibilities out. We begin to block our purpose out, our passion out. The power and the presence of God begins to be blocked out because we hardened our heart. So today, maybe we just need to open our heart back up because Jesus said, hey guys, he said, what's, what's, what's up with the heart? What's up with your eyes? What's going on with your ears? Three things Jesus asked him in the boat. So your heart's important in the condition of your heart. And maybe you need to open it up to love again. Two things that they said first was to create. To create means to bring something into existence, something that is not there to be brought into an existence. Maybe today you need the Lord to create something in you, a brand new heart, a brand new feeling, a brand new emotion. Today maybe you're watching and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you need God to create that love for God, the love for others, and maybe even the love for yourself. You need that to be created in you. 
And I want you to know that only comes from God. He said, create in me and renew. To renew means to reestablish. It means to bring something back. It means to restore. Some of you have had such difficulty and you're overwhelmed and you are stressed and you have battled all these things this year and, and you have just been under so much weight that you didn't feel like you could make it through 2021 this year. Ask God to restore the love that he has for you. Ask God to restore the joy of your salvation, to reestablish it, to renew it, to recreate it. Listen, today, wherever you are, whether you need God to create it in you or you need God to renew it in you, I want you to know that God is faithful and he will do it again and again. This year, 2021, for it to be the best year of your life, regardless of the circumstances around you, and let God do something incredible in you, you need to do some things again and again. You need to see it supernaturally. You need to hear the voice of God. And you need to let God recreate or create something in your heart that you can love again, that you can love Him, and that you can love others. And I believe that when you sit in the middle of the miracles of Jesus, you will never take it for granted. It will never go past you. You'll never miss it because you'll be sitting in the middle of it, recognizing it with your heart, and with your eyes, and your ears, all in a spiritual context that you can receive everything that Jesus has for you. So this year, in 20 2021. Do it again and again. Go back to what helped. Go back to what mattered. Go back to what made a positive difference in your life and do it again and again and again. When you put things in place spiritually, it'll be your best year when things are ordered in the right way. Put God first, everything else second, and do it again and again. Father, today I pray for my friends who are watching online listening by podcast if there's one of us today that would say God I need you to create in me God create in me a clean heart God create in me a love for you Jesus we just submit ourselves to you today we confess that we have sin in our life and we need your forgiveness and we ask that from you please forgive us of anything in our life father that's not pleasing to you I pray that today God every single one of us would put you first put you in your proper place and that's number one we love you and we thank you for your forgiveness today. I pray for all of us who are overwhelmed. God, all of us who are struggling. God, as we have as we have concluded 21 days of prayer and fasting, as we are concluding the month of January, the first month of this year, God, as the rest of the year is still ahead of us, God, renew in us a love for you. Let us see things spiritually. Let us hear your voice. Let us do and practice. Renew our hearts. Renew our minds again and again. Let us always return to the things that make the difference. Because, Jesus, we know that you are for us, you love us, and you're taking care of us. And, God, we pray blessing on every person throughout this year. In Jesus' name, amen.